Well, welcome to the Christmas season, Northside family. I'm so glad that you're here. My name's Nate, one of the pastors, and want to welcome you. And uh, if you would, would you welcome everybody in our video venue and people watching on our live stream right now? I want to welcome them. You know, Christmas time is we have this hope of Jesus and your kids getting sick. And uh, that's what's going on in my house right now. My wife's watching online because we got two boys who are sick and this is kind of the season. Uh, but this is what we're doing as we kick off a new series called Adventually. Uh, because on the church calendar, there's this season called Advent. And if you've grown up in the church history at all, or, uh, you know, maybe you've grown up in this tradition of the church where you're at. Uh, but the season of Advent, and a lot of times we really don't say that word Advent very much much, uh, but it's uh, from this Latin word of this idea of anticipation, this coming, this arriving of hope in this world. And, and what happens is on the church calendar, churches all across the world will focus on the attributes of Jesus because we're saying so many times you've said this phrase, maybe not eventually, but you said, you know, eventually this is where I'd like to be. You know, eventually this is where we'd like to be financially. Eventually this is where I'd like to be in my career. You know, eventually this is what I'd like my life to look like. And in this season of Christmas, what we do is every year we stop and we go, no, no, no. It's not eventually maybe we'll get there and then we'll have hope. It's that hope is here now. And we begin, and what we're going to look at every week is we're looking at that hope is here. Next week we're going to look at how love is here. The week after is how our joy is here. Our peace is here. If I were to ask you right now, man, do you need hope in your life? Oh, yeah, man. Man, do you need peace in your life right now? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have joy? No, man, I don't have joy. I need to find joy. Great. This is what this Christmas season is all about. This is why the church says, hey, let's for this month reshape our calendar as a church and focus on who is here. Because this is what happens to you and I, doesn't it? Our calendar for the next 30 plus days are going to change, isn't it? We've got parties to go to. You have people that you don't like hanging out with just so you can get a gift from them, you know? We're like, oh, so good to see you. Jelly of the Month Club, that's it. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's one of those things you'll have office parties. You'll have all these things that will go on. You know, there'll be a change to your calendar, a change to your schedule. There'll be a change to your pocketbook, you know, this for the next month. Your stress level, it's going to change. Your weight, it's going to change this month, you know? Every, everything's, and then that'll lead to a new change that you want in the New Year's resolution, you go, I need to change my ways because of this month and what I've done, and a change and change and change. And we'll say eventually, we're going to get there. And instead of saying eventually, what we want to say is adventually. Eventually, everything that I need has already come into this world. The hope that I need is here. The peace that I need, the joy, the love, everything is here. I looked up on dictionary.com what the world's definition of hope is, because today we're going to look at this hope that has come into this world, that left heaven, that came into this broken world. And this is what dictionary.com says hope is. Hope is a feeling that what is wanted can be had or events will turn out for the best. That's what the world says. It's this feeling. This is why you see every Christmas movie, there's a hope that, go, hey, if I can get this, my life's going to get better. My, my favorite Christmas movie growing up, I love it as a kid. I watch it when it's on 24 hours on Christmas Eve. Anybody guess? Christmas Story. Because what is Ralphie's hope? What is he basing everything on? Red Rider. If I can get this official Red Rider carbon action 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass and a stock in this thing that tells time. My life will be better. And he gets what he hoped for. But what did everybody tell him what would happen if he got it? You shoot your eye out. And what did he do once he got it? 
He shot his eye out. Man. Now, thank God he didn't really lose his eye, you know, knocked his glasses off. But I began to think about that. I'm like, man, how many times has that been a foreshadowing of my life? God, if I can just get this, I get it. And then I don't physically shoot my eye out, but man, emotionally, it lets me down. Build our hope on it only to find ourselves let down. Matter of fact, this week I was putting up the Christmas tree and you know, and you put it in storage in one of the closets that you never use. And I went in there and I got the Christmas tree out. And last year we bought an off-sale Christmas tree after season or whatever, because you were going, you know what? We're sick and tired of putting up the tree, the old tree we had that we got for free. You had a wrap with lights, and we're going, we are making the investment. We are buying a pre-lit tree. Amen. One year. Yeah, I got an amen. Somebody's like, I'm with you there. One year we've had this tree. I get it out of the box. Guess what doesn't work? The lights. That was the whole reason why I bought the tree. I literally, if you come over to my house, there are two strands that I had to wrap around to totally areas that are out of my tree. And I went, no, that was why I bought the tree. My hope was that I would never have to wrap lights on my tree again, only to not even make it a full year later to go, a tree doesn't even work. A tree doesn't work. And there's different life situations that come up for you and I. Man, there's relationships, there's work things. For you Cardinal fans, you're the perfect example right now. We want to ask you to remain seated after service and our Connect team will come and pray for you. Hey man, I, I love the Cardinals. I'm, I'm not against them, but you guys know what this hope is right now. Dear God, the only thing we want for Christmas is Jeff Brom, right? You know, it's like, please come and save our program. You know what it is to be desperate right now. You know what it is to not have hope and to go, man, I'm longing. God, please come and be, bring us rescue. Bring us out of where we are. See, here's our problem. Too many times when we enter into the Christmas season, we think that the story of Jesus and the time of Jesus was like a Hallmark, you know, channel. I bet when Jesus was born, it was snowing lightly, and Bing Crosby was playing in the background, right? Because he's that old, you know? And, you know, and you're like, I bet it was just this unbelievable scene and all this other stuff, until you crack open a history book. And did you realize that 63 years before Jesus was born, the Romans had overtaken Jerusalem and the Jewish people were being oppressed? Think about that for a moment. In 63 BC, the Romans came in, overtook Jerusalem, started oppressing all of the Jews. They had always seen God provide in their life. You know, he, they had remembered when God brought them out of Egypt. They remembered when God provided manna and quail in the desert. They remembered all of these things of God. And now for 63 years, they have been going, God, where are you? We don't have any hope right now. God, please, would you rescue us? And Jesus was born into a time when the world was desperate for hope. See, we, you know, if I were to ask you, hey, have you ever waited 63 years for anything? You'd go, no, thank God for Amazon, right? You know, we don't have to wait for anything. Matter of fact, we can't even wait six hours after Thanksgiving to do Black Friday shopping, right? It's like, no, I'm not going to wait for Friday. It's Thursday. I don't know where we're going to call it Thursday, Gold Thursday. But, you know, it's not Black Friday. Man, we are going. We're like, we're not going to wait even six hours. It's the way we work. We don't wait for anything. And Jesus was born into a world and to a people who had been waiting 63 years in oppression. We can't even fathom that. Not only was it that they were being oppressed, here's what the Romans do. If you ever studied anything about the Romans, man, they were some bad dudes. 
They came into Jerusalem, and not only did they start oppressing the people, here's how they got the Jews to serve them. They were like, you know what? You know what we're going to do to get them to serve us? We're going to starve them to death. You start doing some crazy things when people start taking away your food, don't you? And so here's what the Jews started doing. Some of the Jews started fighting back against the Romans, but some of the Jews decided this. They went, if you can't beat them, what? Join them. So some of the Jews started betraying their own Jewish nation, becoming tax collectors for Rome, ripping off their own people, betraying their own people. You have this whole racial tension now happening, not just with the Romans, but now racial hatred with each other. Going, how dare you sell ourselves out? And all of this tension's happening. And this is our problem. Too many times we have this idea that Jesus was born in this Hallmark movie when he goes, no, he was born into a way different world than that. This is why we stop to have Advent because there's so many things that we forget about Jesus. We go, oh, no, no, no. No, we need to come back to the heart of this because you and I, every single one of us in this room, whether you're a follower of Jesus here today or not, every single one of us in this room are going to put our hope in something. You're going to put your hope in something. Matter of fact, this morning I was reminded about how much I put my hope in my resources that, I just, that are around me. I got up this morning to take a shower, and it was just like trickling out of the faucet. And I yelled. It was like 7 o'clock this morning. I yelled at my wife, like, do you have the laundry going? She's like, I'm in bed. No. Right? Do you have the dishwasher going? No. And I'm like, man, I'm like on a mission trip in here. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is just dripping down. I'm like, what is going on? And then finally she looked up on Facebook in Sellersburg. There's like a huge water main break. Nobody's got water and all this other stuff. And I was just reminded this morning how much it's easy for me to hope in the resources that are just around me until I don't have them. And this is what's happening a lot of times in our life. A lot of times, you know, we're here at church and we go, yeah, Jesus, and he's our hope. But there's so many times that we don't even realize how much we're hoping in everything else in this world. Not maliciously, but we just kind of sometimes slip into hoping in other things in this world. And, and here's why it's so easy. Man, we are such a fortunate country. But here's the deal. Man, it's so much easier to trust my insurance than it is Jesus. And I'm not saying don't have insurance. I'm just saying, man, it's just great to go, hey, what do I need Jesus? I got insurance. A lot of us, man, we can go work you can make a lot of money. You can be promotion. You can be entrepreneurial. You can create your own business. You can go, you know what? I can create my own business. Why do I need to trust Jesus? I can work. I can make money. I got interest. I got, this. I got all these things. But here's the deal. This Advent season, this is what I want you to write down, and this is what we can't miss about hope, is that unless we become hopeless, we never can become hopeful in Christ. Unless we become hopeless, we'll never actually become hopeless full of hope in Christ. Now, some of you go, man, that sounds kind of bold, Nate. That sounds kind of brash a little bit. Here's what I was studying about Alcoholics Anonymous. If you know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous, they have 12 steps that they're famous for. You know what step one is? If you want to break free from your alcoholic addiction, here's their first step. We admit that we are powerless over addiction and that our lives have become unmanageable. Alcoholics Anonymous know this. Unless you admit that you're hopeless, you'll never have hope. That's what they know. They go, no, 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 there's, you can't begin to become, a, you can't break free until you come to a point where you realize I am powerless. If any of you were here Wednesday night for our night of worship, this place was packed. It's an unbelievable night of worship. So much fun of worshiping together. But here's what happened. In the middle of our worship set, we're singing and we turned into Millie Vanilli. 
And uh, if you're under 30, go Google it, all right? You know what I'm saying? But here's the deal. We're up here singing, and our soundboard, it freaked out, and it shut down. You couldn't hear any of the voices singing. You couldn't hear any of the instruments singing. And I'm going, uh-oh, you know. And you know what the crowd did here on Wednesday night? This is what I loved. They got louder. And they saw the words on the screen, and they started singing louder. And we just sang no instruments in this place. And it was the most powerful moment of the entire night. And isn't it fascinating that when we became powerless, it actually became powerful. See, this is what Advent is all about, that we come back and we go, oh, there is no other hope in this world than Jesus that can save me, that can hold me together. And the more I chase these things, the more it actually takes away the power that he wants to give me, and the more it takes away the hope that he wants to give me. That's why today what I want us to do is I just want to look at this little tucked away passage of when Jesus came as a baby. There's a man that actually, it's the only time he's mentioned in the Bible. Some of you today, you feel very obscure in your life right now. Maybe you feel like nobody knows you. Maybe you feel like you don't have any significance to contribute today. Maybe you feel like you have a lot to contribute and you need this passage so God can kind of bring you down a little bit. But if you have your Bible, open to Luke chapter 2. Because what we're going to find is we're going to see how hope comes into this world and what hope wants to do in, in, in our life and who hope is really for. This is what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 32. Listen what it says here. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Maybe you've heard of him before, maybe you haven't. It's kind of an obscure time. It's the only time he's mentioned in the scriptures. But Simeon was righteous and devout, meaning he followed God. His life belonged to God. God was his hope. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. That waiting, this is this Advent thing that we're talking about. Israel was waiting for this conquering king. 63 years of being oppressed. God, when are you going to bring him? And now here's the problem with Israel. This was their picture. This is why when Jesus came, most of the Jews didn't see it coming. Because what they wanted was UFC fighter Jesus to come down out of heaven. They wanted Brock Lesnar to come out of heaven, right? This big bad dude all tatted up. Hopefully he'd come with a sword. Hopefully he'd cut off the head of Rome and the Jews would become powerful again. It's not what God sent. But Simeon was waiting for this consolation of Israel, this hope of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What an incredible promise. Hey, Simeon, you're going to see the Savior before you die. What a cool promise until you started getting like 80 and 90 years old, going like, God, did I miss it? Listen to what he says. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, you would dedicate the first son to the Lord as a, as a reminder, no, this is a, of God, my child is for you, God. When he came in, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people 
Israel. I've had three kids now, man, in that, that beautiful moment in the hospital where you hold your kid, and you know, every kid you feel like Lion King. You know, it's like Simba, ba 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 ba, you know, like you're holding them up, like, yes, God, thank you. But if you hang around my kids, I love them, but they are no savior. <laughs> Can you imagine Simeon? A lot of theologians believe that Simeon was probably in his 80s and that Simeon was a kid when Rome came in and took over Jerusalem and desecrated the temple. And for probably 70 years of his life, he waited for this hope. And not only did he get to see this hope, he got a hold this hope. Can you imagine that moment? That feeling? That hope is here. He goes on to say this. It says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too, Mary. And we'll unpack that in a little bit, but here is what we get from this message of hope. This is what you need to write down, this of Advent season about hope, is that this hope is for everyone. This hope is for everyone. This is what we get in this season. For some of you, you resonated deeply when I talked about hopeless. You're like, yeah, man, I'm hopeless right now. Man, I'm hopeless right now, and I need hope. The good news of this Advent season of hope is that this hope is for everyone. It's for Simeon, this older man. A lot of times at Christmas time, the, the, the nostalgia is Christmas is always for kids. Adults, you, you know, we quit giving gifts to one another. We're like, hey, I bought you a washer. Merry Christmas, you know. It's like, because you need, oh, a dishwasher, yay. You know, it's like, you're going to buy it anyway. Like, we quit, you know, quit giving gifts. All this stuff kind of stops. Everything's just about the kids. And really what we think about old people is this. We're like, well, hey, can you host, you know, provide the food and pick up the tab? And Simeon, with God, God says, no, 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 I want to give you hope. Everybody is invited into the story of hope. But he doesn't just say Simeon. He says this. This is what Simeon says, that as Jesus came in, it wasn't just for Simeon. It was also to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Anybody in here not Jewish? I know it's early, okay? If you're not, you would know, okay? You would know. You're like, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> if you're not celebrating Hanukkah, you're not it, all right? You know what I'm saying? A light of revelation to the Gentiles, that means you and I. People who didn't grow up being a Jew or in the Jewish faith, a light has broken in because here's the thing for you and I, and this is where a lot of times we don't like to admit it, especially here in America, man, because we have so many possibilities here. We have so many great things to be, you know, that, that you know, possessions and all this other stuff. But what was happening was this. If we don't understand our darkness, we will never understand the light that has come into the world. And Simeon says that this Savior has come in to be a light of revelation for the Gentiles. This is what I love about our neighbors across the street. I don't, I live, I don't, it's not a subdivision, it's just kind of a home. And these, these homes just kind of scattered across the road. And we have these neighbors that are across the road. And I, I think somehow they're related to the Griswold family. 
Uh, because when you, if you drive across on East St. Joe Road, you'll see them. They've got like 30 of those blow-up things in the front yard, man. And my kids every night look out the front, you know, front door. They're like, look at them. Ah, you know? And every night, this is what our kids love to do. They love to drive around. I'm not stalking your neighborhood, all right? But we love to drive around and we love to look at Christmas lights. And here's the deal. Anybody ever driven around a house that had Christmas lights on during the day? They're not cool. When do Christmas lights become good? At night. A light of revelation to the Gentiles, meaning this, a light in our darkness. This is what Jesus has come into. He's come into your darkness and to my darkness. Matter of fact, this is what Isaiah talked about 700 years before Christ came. If you read the book of Isaiah, it's this man who was a prophet that revealed the words of God, and he prophesied that this was coming. And he said, here was the problem of the people of Jerusalem or of Israel. He said, they had quit looking to God to be their hope, and they started looking to this world. And the problem with looking to this world is all you will find in this world is darkness. Man, eventually, if I can get that, that and you get it, and you go, boy, it's It's dark. This is why no relationship can save you. And if you try to treat a spouse or someone as your savior, they will only let you down because you're putting an unrealistic expectation on them. If you look to yourself to save yourself, you will always be frustrated with yourself and you will never experience joy in this world because here's the deal, you and I, we can't save ourselves. All we're looking at when we do that is darkness. This is why Isaiah says this in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22 It talked about what Israel was doing, and it said, then they will look toward the earth. Instead of this light that had come in, it says, they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will thrust, they will be thrust into utter darkness. All we got to do is turn on a news station, turn on our social media, and we go, man, it radiates darkness, doesn't it? Woo! We go, but how can it be? We're so advanced as a nation. We're so advanced as a, you know, a world. We go, it doesn't matter. We're dark. We're dark. This is why Isaiah goes on. He says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. It said, but nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. He's saying there's a hope coming into this world. And he says, those people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawn a light has come into this world a light is you know sometimes at christmas we're like let's just love each other and this world would be so much better and we go well whose love your love or my love because right now i don't feel like you're very loving and it's all subjective and it never measures up and it's never the way we want it to be and we go right because this love that's in this world will never be the perfect love that our hearts desire it is this light that comes into it this is why he says in verse 2 that on those living in the land, this will happen. He says this, and he prophesies this hundreds of years before in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Some of you are going, Nate, if I become hopeless and I put my hope in Jesus, what am I going to get? Anybody need wisdom here today? Anybody need counseling? Don't raise your hand, all right? I'm not going to call you out. And don't raise your spouse's hand either, all right? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
like they do. We all do, don't we? In every season of our life, what we'll realize is this. We don't know what we're doing. How are you to be a great parent? I don't know. I've never done this before. How are you to be a great spouse? I don't know. I've never been married before. How are you to be a great grandparent? I don't know. I've never been, never been a grandparent before. How are you a great Christian? I don't know. I've never been a Christian before. Jesus says, this is why I want you to become hopeless, because when you become hopeless, you become hopeful in me, and I will give you counsel. I will give you wisdom. You will have a mighty God with you. You will have a power that you do not have in yourself. This is why we put our hope in him. You will have an everlasting father. Some of you in this room, you didn't have a father. And you need an everlasting father that will guide you and walk with you. And here's the thing. None of us dads in this room, even if we stay faithful, even if we love our families, none of us are perfect. And we go, more than just following me, I need you to follow this everlasting father who is for you, who will lead you, who will guide you. And then he goes on to say this, and he's the prince of peace. Anybody need peace right now? I mean, your soul, I mean, you're, you're in here right now and you're listening, but you're not listening. You're like, how'd you know? I can tell. No, I'm joking. You know. But right now, man, your soul, you're like, yeah, I'm here. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. But I'm, you know, I got, I got, Nate, I got, I got to get out of here. I got stuff to go on, man. Okay, wrap it up, man. Let's go. And you got like no peace right now. It's because we're consuming ourselves with darkness. This world can only produce it can't save us. This is why a light had to come in to the world. He goes on to say this, and he will be the glory to your people, Israel. See, this is why Jesus says over and over again, his nickname was he was the friend of sinners. I love that, man. I hope that's our nickname as a church. If anybody wants to accuse us of anything, boy, they love sinners a whole lot. I hope, I hope we get that nickname. I hope we get that nickname. Matter of fact, that's why our whole vision and mission is, man, we are here to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ because we're going, man, we need counseling. We need hope. We, we right now in our lives are hopeless, and we need this hope. But here's what we need to understand. This is what Simeon said, because if we're not careful, one will miss out the hope that came in. But here's the other thing. This is what we need to understand. This is what Simeon told Mary and Joseph and what he tells you and I today, that this hope, man, when we place our hope in Jesus, man, it it heals our soul. But here's the other thing. This hope that Jesus gives us, this hope, it hurts. You don't want to write that. This hope hurts. Here's what I mean. You go, what do you mean this hope hurts? Here's what I mean. Simeon said this to Mary and Joseph. He says, Jesus will cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. When Jesus came in, if you remember, who didn't like Jesus? The Pharisees. They thought they had everything together. And Jesus came and goes, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. And they hated him because they, he got, he, they challenged, they got challenged by Jesus and they hated it. This hope that came in, it hurt their pride. Some of the thing is this, when hope comes in, it hurts our pride, but it hurts for our good. Matter of fact, I had a buddy, he's a trainer, and he called me, he goes, hey man, he goes, I'll give you a week free of membership. Just come and work out with me. I'm like, oh, sounds great. Free, I'll take two. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm in, man. I remember the first day I left that place of work and out, I couldn't drive for 30 minutes. Literally, I just sat in my car, reclined my seat. I was a danger to drive. 
I didn't know if I could, if I was going to pass out or throw up. And I just sat there and I was like, this is not good. This is not good. And then I kept going a little bit. And for like a week, I just wanted to sit in my car and pass out, man. I'm like, oh, I can't take this anymore. And then it became, and I know some of you are familiar with this phrase, it became a good hurt. It pushed you into places that you don't like to be pushed. But you know this, unless you get pushed, nothing changes. For some of you, you've had a surgery in the past or you have an upcoming surgery, and here's the deal. How does the surgeon make you better? What does he have to do? He has to cut on you, doesn't he? You go, in order for you to be healed, I have to cut on, I have to hurt you. I've got to put stitches in you. You're going to have to do rehab. You're going to have to go through this work. But here's the deal. It's going to be worth it because it's going to heal you. It's going to help you. But you've got to let this in. Some of you, you're carrying some baggage. And here's the deal. You can't just go, you know, I'm just going to forget about it. And I'm going to live my life. No, you're going to have to go to counseling. And you're going to have to talk about the pain. And you're going to have to bring up things that you don't like to bring up. Because here's what you and I know. Unless we deal with the hurt, we can't ever get whole. This is what Simeon says. He goes, this Jesus, he's going to cause the rising and falling of many. And he's going to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. This is going to reveal what's going on in us. And some of you are going, man, Nate, this sounds brutal. I mean, how, how can we know he's at work? And, and, and why would he hurt, you know, why would he bring that stuff out in us? Here's why. Because God is working in our waiting. See, in this season, what we need to understand is this. As you and I are going through these different situations in our life, and we're wondering, God, where are you? Like Simeon, for 63 years, God, are you, are you going to rescue us out of this stuff? Are you going to do anything? God, are you going to work? Hello, have, have you forgotten me? This is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. Some of us go, well, what, what is God going to do in the midst of this? What does hope really look like in my life? This is what hope looks like. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. Because he wrote to Christians who were going, man, we are continuing to be oppressed as Christians. And this is what he says. He says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That this is what we rejoice in. This hope that God has come to save us and to lead us. But he says, not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Wait a second, that doesn't sound like Christmas. I mean, that doesn't sound like eggnog. And we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our hardship, Paul says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. That word for perseverance is where we get the word hypodermic needle from. It's this work underneath us. It's this movement of God deep in our bones that he says, in the midst of this hopelessness, when hope comes in, it begins, begins to change us from the inside out. This suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us question for you and I is this. He's given us hope. Have we allowed ourselves to experience the hope that he's given us? Do you realize that this hope is for you? 
And your hopelessness is where his hope wants to come in. But here's the deal. It's going to hurt. You, you've got to be open with him. He, he told Mary this. He says, hey, here's the deal, Mary. And I love this honesty about Simeon. And, and we need to be honest at Christmas time. A lot of times the reason why we want to just sing songs and carols is so we can avoid the darkness. And Jesus goes, no, I want in the darkness because I've come to be a light. I've come to help you. But here's the deal. You've got to let me be your hope. But he told Mary this. Hey, Mary, this is great. He's going to be the Savior of all people. He's going to be the hope of the world. All these things are coming. But here's the deal, Mary. He's going to pierce your soul too. And you go, what does that mean? What, what does that mean for Jesus to pierce Mary's soul? You know what it means? That she is going to have to watch her child be crucified. There's nothing worse for a parent than to have to watch your child suffer. Two nights ago, I was at Norton's Children's Hospital at 1 a.m. We've got some close family friends here at the church who, uh, their son Jackson has Down syndrome and got RSV and his lungs don't work as well. And what happened was this, turned into RSV, turned into pneumonia, turned into now his lungs. He's happened to have a machine pump for him to get breath. And two nights ago, we just about lost him. And there's nothing like coming into a hospital, the PICU, feeling absolutely hopeless. Going, God, would you have mercy in this moment? Would you have mercy? And Simeon was honest with Mary. All hope is here. But Mary, you're going to have to see your son crucified. And you go, Nate, why are you telling us this story? This doesn't feel like Christmas. Because it was on that moment when everybody lost hope that God was actually extending hope to you and I. Because it was on that moment on the cross that Jesus took hope all of our darkness, all of our hopelessness, and gave us hope. See, God's saying, I want to give you hope because this world is hopeless. But you got to let my hope come in. See, this hope's for everybody. But we got to let this hope hurt us. And say, no, God, there's nothing else in this world that will save me. Only you will save me. Matter of fact, right now, our volunteers are going to go back, get ready to serve communion. And this is what we do in this moment. We take the, the cup, we take the bread, and when we take this, we say, God, you are our hope. If you're a follower of Jesus today, I want to invite you to take communion, but not just to take communion. This is what I want you to do in this moment. I want you to become hopeful by reminding yourself that this world is hopeless, that nothing in this world can save us. We love this world, we are for this world, but we know nothing in this world can save us outside of Jesus, that he has come into this world. And I want to encourage you here today, if you go, man, Nate, I, I, I'm right now, I'm hopeless, man. I, you know, I, I don't have a hope, I don't have this stuff. I want to let you know this is what communion is all about. It's this invitation that Jesus is giving you to say, hey, the darkness that you're in, the hopelessness that you're in, this is what Christmas is all about, that I have come to bring a light 
in your darkness. Let hope in and find a hope that this world can't offer. Let's pray and we'll take communion together. Father, thank you. Thank you for being for us. Thank you for, God, even when you're not maybe on our schedule and you're not working in the time and the ways that we want, we know, God, because of your word and your truth that you are working. And Father, I pray for the hearts in here today. God, for the anxiety, for the worry, for the fear, for the hopelessness that, God, we would begin to step back to go, oh, no, Jesus, you entered into all of that in this world. And not only, Jesus, did you enter into it, Jesus, you took all of that upon yourself. That every hopelessness, every failure that we feel, Jesus, that's what you took upon yourself on that cross. And so today, we may be people of hope. Jesus, today, help us to allow you to heal and to work in our lives in ways that nothing else in this world can. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for following through. Thank you for giving us a hope today. We take this communion to remember what you have done for us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.